Hello, what is up? My name is Vincent, and I'm happy to be joining you today. We're on episode three of the Cardboard Swords cast, and I am super excited to be joined by my co-host, Ludwin. I'm happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. This is our fourth episode now? Well, it's it's our third. Well, we had, we had one preliminary episode that was like, it's it, it might be released as a bonus, but this is our third oh. like official episode. Okay, I, I lost track already. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, we're only we're only counting to four. We already lost track, but it's okay. <laughs> now, it honestly, I might be wrong, but but I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, so for those listening, just know that we we do have a secret episode. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, it's it's even more rough around the edges than than these are. So you can look forward to that. And now it's it's honestly really good. I think it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, we'll probably put it up somewhere, and you guys can check that out. But anyways, enough about that. This episode is all themed on love because, surprising to Ludwin and I, Valentine's Day is around the corner. Now, before you you scoff at us and think, well, I'm single. You know, why am I gonna care about this? Well, I get, I got you. I understand. But what's interesting is looking at how many games have the theme of love or really how few games have the theme of love, and just how it's an interesting concept to build a game around and what sort of different games there can be with that theme. So regardless of you know how you feel about Valentine's Day or about the theme of love, I think this episode's worth listening to just to sort of hear a new dynamic to tabletop games and to hear about a side of tabletop games that maybe you haven't looked at before. Yeah. The thing is, uh, I, I was, yeah, like Vincent said, I was really surprised that there's so little games based on the theme of love, and they're not meant to be long games either. They're all really quick games that you can play in a moment and be done with compared to some other games. Yeah, and but. that's honestly not even something I was aware of until you told me before we started this episode, so I'm happy that you looked into it and you found that out, but... I guess it doesn't surprise me because earlier in the Discord I asked if there were any like winter themed board games like or card games or anything like just anything tabletop winter themed uh, just you know with snow or the Arctic or anything like that and just looking at it there's not much out there for winter themed either like and I'm not even talking about like Christmas I'm just saying winter themed and there's still not much. No, yeah, because I remember you asking that I could think of Frost Haven. And, but that's more of cold theme, like winter, like you said, not even Christmas. And then getting into the top of Christmas, there's a, then you fall into another subcategory of games. Yeah, I mean, there's just not much of either. I mean, it's just kind of weird, especially because there's like, I think there's thousands of tabletop games released a year, and just none of them fall into like any theme other than like fantasy or sci-fi. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, okay, here's a fantasy, like a medieval fantasy uh, board game. Here's maybe a superhero one. Here's a sci-fi one. Uh, here's a you know, licensed dark fantasy. property one. Yeah, know, licensed property ones. It's just it's it's just crazy. You'd think out of the thousands of games, there would be a little bit more uh, of these different diverse themes going on. But anyways, uh, before we get into this whole subject, Ludwin, tell me about how you've been this past week since I last spoke to you. What what have you been up to? All that good stuff. To be honest, I now have a dual. Uh... Uh, master duo addiction but outside of that i've been doing all right uh we had the cold snow front come towards us oh man so yeah. yeah so we are somewhere in the deep south where we don't normally get snow and i'm not sure about you ludwin but i'm pretty sure this is the most snow i've ever seen in this state like I, i'm pretty sure normally if we get snow which is about once every two to three years i think it's like an inch or two inches 
and uh, where I live, we were getting three to five inches. Oh, yeah. I Since I live, like, 30 minutes away from you, basically, or a little less than that, but the thing is, I'm kind of used to the snow being from Jersey, but in the time that I've been down here, you know, it never really felt, oh, yeah, hey, uh, I got to go pull out the snow shovel. I got to go get the salt. But <laughs> no, down, but yeah, now it's like, all right, it's like, since I knew it was going to snow down here, me and my buddies were like, all right, we're making no plans. We're staying at home and just relaxing because down here, a lot of people don't know how to drive in that snow. Yeah, well, it's definitely, like, people definitely lack experience with it. And, like, there's just not any equipment invested to, like, really take care of the snow anyway. So, like, you know, there's no salted roads or anything or anything plowed out of the way. It's just kind of like everyone just sort of handle it the best you can on your own, and you're left to that. No, I agree because we had a, we still have a shovel that we were using to clear up our driveway from the snow. And it kind of surprised me that we had neighbors trying to push the snow with just a, uh, with a push broom. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when I went outside to just, you know, try to enjoy the winter wonderland that we had, I realized my shoes were not well equipped. I, I was getting snow in my shoes because I don't have snow boots. I didn't have, like, adequate like clothing to help like just cover up well and stuff and i was just and at first i was thinking like man how do people in the north do this and i get that a lot of people in the north still hate the snow and stuff but like at least like if you're in the north and you get all the snow you can have like certain equipment you can wear certain things that at least helps a lot more than like what i was wearing no yeah i agree because right now I own thermals from when I lived up north. I brought it down with me. I still have it in my closet. I still haven't pulled them out because it hasn't gotten down. It hasn't gotten cold enough down here that I'm like, I have to wear this. Yeah, but had I had the thermal stuff on that day when it snowed you a might, lot, I would have worn you it. You might have been better <laughs> off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so with the whole Master Duels thing, I haven't checked that out. And for those listening, Master Duel is the new, um, the new service released by Konami. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, based uh, application where you can basically play Yu-Gi-Oh! online with a bunch of different people. You can build decks, all that fun stuff. It's meant to rival, essentially, like MTG Arena, I assume. Uh, but yeah, Ludwin, go ahead and tell us more about it, because like I said, I have not played it. Okay, so basically it's your standard Yu-Gi-Oh! game, which is you get a starting deck, but it plays more like one of those standard mobile gotchas. Where you get gems, you get gems to buy decks, to buy decks, cards, bonus items, and stuff like that. But there's a single player mode, and what I'm loving about the single player mode that it's basically stories from the uh, like based off the cards, because uh, there's a lot of cards that have their own storyline that's never really gotten, you know, th there's no media to actually look this up really, unless you go look it up online and find out the Japanese folks did it. But what, what I'm loving about deck building is you can see other people's decks, copy their decks, and if you don't own any of the cards, craft those cards out of points that you have. And these points you obtain by destroying your own cards. So a card will, so far all the cards have cost 30 points. So if I want a Blue-Eyed White Dragon, it's going to cost me 30 points of the rarity it is. So if it's a rare, I need 30 rare points. So I can destroy three of my own rares to try and get one new card. 
and I'm loving it that way because I have not spent a single dime yet. <laughs> and I've been able to get my deck that I own in real life in the game to keep on playing. And there's a rank, there's a rank match service. They're apparently going to be doing events in the future. There are a few issues that people have noticed. Like, for example, on the Nintendo Switch version, uh, during deck building, there it does crash. And apparently it's quite that la- it's a little laggy on the switch as well. Okay, well that's good to know. I know when a lot of people hear like mobile games and you know purchases and stuff like that, like it can be easy to really want to shy away from it. But you know, of course, there's got to be some sort of monetization around the uh, you know around any game. And uh, as long as it's rewarding, you know, as long as like you're able to play and like not get punished too much or whatever. Uh, and, and like you said, you haven't spent any money, but you're able to build your own deck. That's that's pretty good. I actually saw like some prominent YouTube creators uh, on Twitter say that they liked the way that the system's currently set up. I did see one of them have fears that they'll maybe change it down the road and make it worse. But like the way it currently is, I heard that they like it. No, I agree. There's a possibility that they could make it worse, but I'm loving it right now because it's the best Yu-Gi-Oh! simulator we've gotten from Konami. And to be honest, the previous ones have been pretty bad anyway, so that's not saying much. Yeah, well, it's about time Konami released something like this, and uh, I'm definitely excited to give it a try. We might do a bonus episode on Master Duel at some point, so it'd be fun to uh, dive into that once I've played it a bit and give my opinions on it. I'm definitely a Yu-Gi-Oh! gamer myself, but I, I come at it much more from a casual perspective. Uh, but we'll see how, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I could go more into the issues, but that'll probably be in the bonus stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that to the bonus stuff. Um, as for me, uh, let's see. I know I've been really busy. Oh, yeah. I was like, what have I been doing? <laughs> okay, so I've been really working on like revamping and editing uh, Other Worlds and Other Worlds Zero and the different um, guides that I have written for those. Uh, for those that don't know, Other Worlds is my tabletop role-playing game. Uh, it's been published since 2010, and we recently had a Kickstarter last year where we have a uh, core rulebook funded that I am putting together alongside some other stuff, like a updated quick start guide, stuff like that. And uh, it's, been very, uh, it, it's been very challenging in the most interesting of ways because I felt like it wouldn't be challenging because I've already had all the rules done like because you know it's just something that's been out for long, <laughs> a long time at this point that like, the rules are already established and good to go. But it's like sort of just making sure that everything is like as communicated as possible, uh, designed well, you know, just communicated clearly and just laid out in a way that is as friendly as possible to people. It's it's definitely a challenge because you know with a with a RPG book, I mean, a lot of times they range from like 200 pages, 400 pages. You know, a quick start guide might be like 50, 60 pages. Um, and it's just like a lot for any one person to take in. And so it's just like, it's a real challenge to sort of manage that many words and to try to like, and granted, mine's a bit on the slimmer side, like our quick starter guide's looking around 50 pages for the updated version and the core rule book, I'm trying to keep around 250. Um, But like, even that, I mean, that's like a ton, even though, even though that's technically slimmer than a lot of the other like current competitors, um, that's still a a lot to manage. Yeah, because I... Like, for example, I have a bunch of D&D books. I have a bunch of Pathfinder books. And I've been looking into the new Power Rangers RPG. And you're not wrong by 
because you can't just be naming key terms and then expect somebody to understand them. They need to be able to find them. They need to be able to search out material. And if things aren't properly explained, that causes issues. People yeah. People can get annoyed. And I have this issue where I flip words around and I flip my sentences around and I flip things upside down. I've never been tested for dyslexia, but I definitely do that. And so I have an issue like when I write things out, like if I were to write a sentence like um, cultured man and then later write man of culture, like in my head, they get swapped constantly and I'll write both of them out throughout the entire thing. And so oh. I, I have to really try to catch myself because that can be very confusing to people. And I'm not trying to be confusing because I'm meaning the same thing either way. You know, like it's it's very obvious. Like if you speak to me, like you can obviously tell it's like, oh, well, yeah, he means the same thing. But it's like so easy for me to like kind of flip my words around and stuff. So it's very aggravating to sort of have to contend with that. But I'm doing my best. And, you know, Abby is uh, she's my wife and she's been uh, doing a wonderful job, like trying to uh, help me with that and also edit things and just sort of uh, bounce things back and forth with me. No, yeah, I uh, I agree and understand you completely, which is, uh, like, because a lot of the things you mentioned, like, even swapping out the way you word something can really affect gameplay and the rules. The rules might say, might call something combat, but then a card in the game might say, put this in a, a, a start battle. You never said that, the, you know... What is battle? What is combat? You know, because yeah. I had that issue in Digimon because some of the cards are translated from Japanese, so they still had the Japanese name for some of the locations. Yeah, I and I learned that lesson a lot through my first card game I published, Spellslingers, um, because I I was not I was not aware about how much I needed to sort of uh, double check my work when it came to that specifically. So in in Spellslingers, you'll notice like there might be a card that says at the beginning of your turn, and another card says at the start of your turn, and then one card might say prevent an attack, and then the other one says negate an attack, and so you know, and that's just sort of like a learning lesson for me. But now since I have put that out there, and it's you know become something that's made uh, part of my attention, I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, it's a learning lesson, so I, now when I make new card games, it's way easier for me to stay on top of that. Like I said, with other worlds, it, it's a bit harder just because it's so many pages, but when I make a new card game or work on an expansion, it's like, okay, this is enough where I can like manage it pretty easily. I can kind of see everything right in front of me, and I can make sure everything follows the same uh, writing formula. Same, Yeah, same consistency, where you're not worried that you change the phrase of something so many times that it might even change the meaning or confuse players. Because being a Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu -Oh player, you saying at the, uh, you know, prevent a battle or stop a battle could be different things, you know? <laughs> oh, no, I, I totally get it. So, like, the ruling in Spellslingers is that uh, preventing an attack and negating it is a different thing just because the word's different. And, like... I mean, it creates like some fun interactions, but it's def it it wasn't necessarily, I don't know. It's it, it's made it kind of more interesting in some ways, but definitely like moving forward when I make a card game, I definitely pay more attention and just make things consistent. And if I want to do something a little bit different like that, I'll make it much more. Uh, I'll make sure that the audience, you know, the people playing knows it's more intentional. Where it's like oh, this is a special card. And then, like, reminder text, which we talked about in previous episodes, I believe, is, like, a good way to sort of, like, 
helps say like, hey, preventing is different than negating because preventing, blah, 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 blah. And you can have that on the card and have it be like a special one-off card and just like let sh- make sure that people know that it's that special type card and it's not like the standard rules. No, yeah, I agree with you there. Because reminder text, a lot of games need to use it. Some don't. I wish Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of used it a bit more, like changed how their cards because they have cards that do the same thing but are worded so differently, which can cause issues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's majority of what I've been up to. Just a lot of working on some behind-the-scenes game stuff. Uh, seems like you've been doing a lot of Master Duels, which I need to get into. Uh, but yeah, all that seems like a fun time. But let's go ahead and dive into our love theme. The good old theme of love. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know any board games that cover that theme? Okay, so I didn't do any research on this. I was pulling strictly from my own knowledge. And uh, the first game I wanted to talk about when it comes to this theme is a game called Love Letter. So Love Letter, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> so, so Love Letter is a game that uh, I partially want to bring up because any game that sort of wins over my friends and like everyone that in my play group enjoys, it just has to be one that I bring up. Even if it's not my favorite, but I do really enjoy Love Letter. It's a very simple game for those that don't know. They make different versions. So the first one I ever played was a Batman Love Letter, I believe, back in like 2015 or 16. And uh, essentially, everyone has one card in their hand. And the objective is to try to end the game with the highest number possible. And whoever has the highest number in their hand at the end of the game ends up winning the, the heart of the person in question. So... Uh, in Batman, I think maybe you're trying to win over Batman. I can't remember. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't remember, but I remember in the base game of Love Letter, you're, you're actually trying to win the uh, love of a princess or queen. Yeah, which makes so. which makes a lot of sense. The Batman one, I mean, that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but it's funny at least. No, yeah. Yeah, and so essentially as you play the cards, they each have a value between like one and eight, and uh, you definitely don't want to have the ones or the twos or the threes at the end of the game. But they have different effects. So if you play a one, you get to name a card and choose a player. And if they have that card in their hand, they're eliminated from the game. So it's a way to like knock out other players. And so you can be the last one standing. And then you're automatically the one with the highest total. Uh, it's just a really fun game. And uh, my friends really like Adventure Time. And so we have an Adventure Time love letter, which has a special rule set where the two heroes in the game is Finn and Jake. Um, and if you play a hero, you make a player discard a card, and then if they discard a hero, you win the game in the Adventure Time version, but not the other versions. So it's kind of like, oh, I have Finn, I, I found Jake, or I have Jake and I found Finn, so I win that way. And uh, it rarely happens, uh, and sometimes people can feel kind of cheated because it feels just kind of like a, like a lucky victory. But since it's so rare, and it, it, it kind of like... I don't know. It, it, it is exciting when it happens because it is rare. So I, I, I like that rule addition personally. Um, I'm not a big fan yeah. of instant wins like that, honestly. Like instant wins in a lot of my games, me and my friends try to take out like in DC deck builder and stuff like that. Where if there are a set of cards that create an instant win situation, it feels like you didn't really win. It just feels like you because depending on the players and the game, they can change their focus on. I'm just getting the instant win stuff and I'm done. I completely understand that. Um, I think I'm more forgiving of it here because each round in the game is, I don't know, like three minutes. And so quick. Yeah. So if you instantly win, you're not instantly winning the entire game. You're instantly winning that round in the game. And it's in 
you know, the games, like, any time that that's happened, which is very rare, um, it, the game was about to be over anyways for that, for that round. So it never, like, stopped the whole game from being, like, it never made the game too short or whatever, you know? It's, like, it's just, like, a very fun kind of, like, random thing to, to have happen that feels kind of special. And having some of the randomness in games, like, randomness gets, like, a lot of flack. Um, especially by a lot of people into that's into board games because a lot of times if we're into board games, we are we tend to be better than people that aren't as into board games. Uh, but I feel like luck is very important, especially for people that are more casual because they're not going to know the ins and outs that we might know, and so it gives them an opportunity to feel cool or have a good moment to, or to win a round. To be honest, luck isn't a bad thing in a game. It can be very fun. Because, to be honest, having a static board game, a board game that stays the same and never changes every time you play, can also be very, like, very boring after you played it for the third or fourth or fifth time. Oh, yeah. No, I fully agree. But I definitely recommend Love Letter for anyone listening. They have a Lord of the Rings version and a bunch of other versions, so just look up the ones that they have. It's a pretty, like, affordable game. It comes in a nice box. Uh, comes with some cool like little gems to keep up with your points. It's just a really nice game uh, that's easy to show anyone. You caught my attention at Lord of the Rings. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they have a Lord of the Rings one. I don't remember all the different editions they have, but I'm sure that for anyone listening, they have an edition for you. To be honest, they have a ba- uh, looking at it, they have a very basic edition, which is their cheapest one. Then they have a deluxe, which comes with the stuff you talked about. Then they have their themed versions, like their Batman one. Not sure about their Lord of the Rings. Gonna gotta have to double check that one. But uh, I think we should move on to our next game. And the one I was looking at, which is less of a board game, but apparently class still falls under board games, is called Kama Sutra. So apparently it's a game with cards. And you draw the card and you have to have a partner, like a buddy or something. And you, you, it, you have to have at least four people to play this, it seems. You have to, you draw a card, and you you assume the position that it shows on the card. It's going to be a position that two people can do. And uh, you have a balloon that you place in between where you two would contact. And both teams have to attempt to pop their balloon in order to win the round using that position. Okay, and for those who have not seen the art in this game, it is like a bunch of naked people. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm only I'm only looking at the cover. I'm only looking at the cover right now, and it, it's you know. Well, if you look closer at the cover, uh, that person's hugging another person, and they're both naked. <laughs> All right then. Uh, take that as you will. Maybe it might be a fun <laughs> game to play while drinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think Ludwin, you tapped into something because I'm seeing these like wooden dice here for it, and there's some stuff going on here, so. I think you're getting into a whole nother podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll be after dark. Yeah, that's that's the uh, after dark uh, theme that we're that we're going with. But you know, I mean, it seems I'm sure that game is uh, interesting to say the least. You know, okay. a, a lot a lot of games are worth trying at least once. I agree, at least once. And if you hate it, at least you can say why or whatever. Yeah, just with that game in particular, you might not want to play with uh just anyone you know <laughs> uh, maybe people you're close with and people who are you could uh you know if something happens you could make up with later maybe not your parents yeah yeah 
Um, my next one is Red Flags. Have you heard of this game? No, I have not. Okay, so it's like I kind of don't want to bring up Cards Against Humanity because I really don't personally like that game a lot, and you know it's one of those games where other people that don't like it, if you bring it up and compare anything to it, they're just automatically gonna like tune you out. But it, it, I think it's the best, like, most apt comparison I can make where it's kind of like this game where there's no artwork, it's just text. And, but the, the, the premise, though, is instead of trying to come up with, like, dumb jokes that make people laugh or whatever, and you just, like, throw out the darkest stuff you can, in Red Flags, you put together the perfect, like, dream date for someone using cards from your hand. So it'll be like, Ludwin, uh, your dream date I'm setting up for you is uh, someone who is very smart, loves Yu-Gi-Oh, and is the most beautiful girl you've ever seen. And you're like, okay, Vincent, that sounds pretty good. Well, everyone else's job is to throw red flags on her and basically try to make her seem worse than the competition. So the red flags that they could throw on her is maybe she will uh, yell at you every day, Um, she will uh, think you're not good enough, and she'll cheat on you once a year or something. And you're like, whoa, like this is pretty bad. But you also have to compare that to like another girl. So like another girl, like her qualities would be something like, oh, she, um, she owns a million dollars. She can get you into any event that you ever want. She likes the same music as you, but she refuses to shower or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, man. And you can like drop your red flags on whoever you want to really just sort of sabotage people. It's like a chaotic game, and uh, of course it doesn't have to be women, you know, of course if like there's a woman player and she's into men, you know, for her it's all going to be about like a guy who does this or a guy who does that, and um, it just ends up being like an absurd like fun time, it's easy to play with anyone uh, and it can be kind of revealing about like what people choose, you know it's like, well, okay, well, turns out Vincent's way more into vampire concert chicks than we thought because he still chose that girl even though she has this baggage <laughs> uh this this sounds like it would be very chaotic it it would be fun but i i can see after like your conversations it can also spark up because your friends like depending on your group of friends they'll be they'll start arguing why why are you picking one over another making you seem like the bad guy and trying to convince you to pick their choice well know? it's it's funny too because your friends will sort of have to debate in their head like oh well what would vincent prefer you know so They'll have a card in their hand that says, you know, something like a girl who wears glasses, or maybe they'll have a card in their hand that says a girl who wears like anime outfits. And like they could be like, well, Vincent's into anime, but does he care about the anime outfits things? Like, is Vincent into girls that wear glasses? Does that matter at all? And so they have to make these decisions that are very important for winning this game. And it's basically life or death, and they have to make that decision. Okay. I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but yeah. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, then people are gonna start trying to figure out more about us just from this one straight from one of this one podcast. They'll be like, all right, now we know their preferences. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, man, I thought this was like a tabletop gaming podcast, but instead it feels like I'm listening to some sort of like OK Cupid or you know whatever it is the kids are using these days. Uh. To be honest, I I don't know most any dating sites. When you said OK Cupid, I'm like, is that one? Yeah, well, it's like an older one, but like it's not like the apps that people use. It's so like uh, Tinder's one and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I've been with okay. Abby like ever since I found out about like the dating apps and stuff. So I just completely like all that was just like you know right over me. 
Okay, the only thing, I, the only reason I know of Tinder is because I like watching a lot of murder mystery stories and stuff like that, and a lot of them come, like, a <laughs> lot of murder, like, I watch, like, the, uh, the Tinder murder stories, or, like, oh, the man. Tinder murderer, <laughs> yeah. That's, see, yeah. see, this podcast can be good for your health because, you know, you can definitely learn to stay off Tinder so you don't get murdered. <laughs> yeah, you're scaring people now from dating. <laughs> Yeah, instead gotta, play play romantic board games or love theme board games instead of being on Tinder. It's as obvious as that. But who would they play them with? They'll be all alone. <laughs> it's, hey, it's better than getting murdered. Forever alone face. <laughs> all right, so do you have a number two game that does not deal with naked people? <laughs> <laughs> well, another game I was actually looking at was called Hearts of Attraction. Okay. I'm not sure if you heard of it. Yeah, it well, well, I'm about to look this up, and I swear if I see naked people, Ludwin. <laughs> there is no no <laughs> naked people. It is a game with magnets. So you lay out uh, you lay out magnets all over the table, and you and another person have a number of magnets that you start off in your hand. I think it's like one or two or maybe three, and you you don't know if the magnets are in their push or pull configuration so you have to throw one of your magnets and try and attach uh you know get a attract as many hearts as you can uh, and yeah sorry i was just gonna say this is crazy because i actually made a game like this when i was like 12 years old where i had like a bunch of those like little uh black rocks that are magnetized and i created this game called like orbolo or something like that and or Orbella or whatever. And the theme was like black holes and you had like little beads that represented like black holes that could be shot through the galaxy and you'd like throw you would like slide them across the table and like try to like attach them to your opponents and whenever it does that it creates a bigger and bigger black hole that has a greater attraction level and can suck more things into it and it's just kind of like a like a like a battle between the two as you're trying to like suck up all your opponents uh like magnetized rocks into your black hole. I think this is where we can get into the debate or, you know, this is where the debate of theme versus system comes in because you can make a system and just put a theme on top of it. Yeah. I mean, though, I had never considered that being like a romantic law of attraction thing, but clearly that works as well. You know, trying to connect like your heart to another and, and have that be a thing. So uh, clearly they went in a different direction with that, like theme wise. Uh, it's just very, I like, I didn't even mean to like uh, sort of interrupt the segment that you had or whatever. I was just so taken back because I completely forgot about this game, and I was just I'm just kind of shocked to to just hear that someone else sort of had a similar idea. No, I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of that's why a lot of board games feel similar because there's so many board games you can pick up and say, hey, this feels like like a, how you said how you hate comparing things to Cards Against Humanity, but people get the same idea or get inspired by one game and just okay i like this game but i don't like this theme so what if we use this theme on top of it like dc deck builder and then the cartoon network version of it oh yeah that happens all the time and that actually reminds me um like love letter if there isn't a theme like if you want to well i don't want to encourage like you not supporting the company and stuff uh so if you want to give them some money and like buy a game and then you can look there's fan-made versions of love letter that like reskin with different themes and, like, that's an option, too. I haven't personally done that, but I have seen that there's, like, fan-made versions of that that are reskins. 
And uh, like you said, I mean, you have some friends that might be into, you know, superheroes, so they would much rather play the DC deck building game versus the Cartoon Network version, whereas, like, my group of friends love Cartoon Network, so, like, that's the go-to normally. No, yeah. Uh, It's just, it depends on your group of people, because a theme can scare somebody away. And us talking about love, you know, oh, look, love. Uh, what you know this is dumb but the games could be more fun than you expect because it's just a different system or like a system you might already know being taken on for this theme yeah i haven't thought about that but i don't know like can you imagine like Yu-Gi-Oh, but just completely just themed around love instead of like fighting to be honest i've seen a couple of card games actually try that where they tried different themes copying another system Magic is a system that gets copied so much and modified because it's just everybody knows it, kind of. Yeah, but the difference with that is that normally when another game has, like, a similar system to Magic, it's normally, like, another, like, fantasy combat game instead of it being, like, a completely different theme, like, trying to, like, have dragons that you summon to, like, hug the other player or whatever. (laughs) No, you're not wrong about that. (laughs) be interesting but but the, uh, there's probably there's also probably a reason why love isn't a big like the main theme i'm pretty sure it's a side theme in a lot of games but it's not the main focal point in a lot of games yeah but speaking about games the theme of love as a main focal point uh i'm going to be a bit of a um uh i'm gonna do a little bit of a shameless plug here because i <laughs> actually have a published card game with the theme of love called Heads or Tails, the monster dating game. And anyone listening to this can actually watch some playthroughs on YouTube. Just type in Heads or Tails, the monster dating game. I know it's a long title. But uh, we worked with different YouTubers, such as uh, Little Boffin, who is a cool YouTuber. And she just released part one. She's releasing part two and three soon. And uh, it's basically this uh, party-style game in which everyone's on a monster dating game show. And everyone that is a contestant on the, on the dating game show gets a random monster card and a random personality card and then you look at it and then that's how you have to sort of role play and act and improv and then the bachelor or bachelorette will ask everyone a question and then you have to answer it as your monster and with the personality trait that you have associated with it and the idea is you want to clue in people to what monster you are without completely giving it away and then at the end of the round the bachelor will try to guess what you are and will get points if they score it correctly. Um, however, if you don't do a good enough job giving out clues, the player to their left is the judge in determining whether or not you actually uh, gave clues at the monster that you are. So that way you can't just like completely phone it and act like a different monster that you weren't. Uh, but it also encourages you to be clever and to think on the top of your head and adapt to the questions being asked. So there's a lot of like improv going in into it. And in some ways, it kind of ended up reminding me a bit of Whose Line Is It Anyways? So if anyone's like a fan of that show or ever watched it, uh, that wasn't the intention when I made the game, but sort of like whenever I play it, it just kind of feels like you're acting like on stage like that, uh, but as a card game themed around like monster dating. Yeah, you know what that, that, that reminds me. Have you ever played Jackbox? Any of the Jackbox games? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe I've played each of them at least once. Okay, yeah, because in act, I don't remember which Jackbox game, but there's actually one where you play as monsters, who's a a dating monster game. Yeah, what's what's funny is I've actually realized a lot of people compare it to that. And funny enough, I did make this game before I played that Jackbox, 
However, uh, the games play completely different, but they both definitely have that like monster dating game theme. The biggest difference between this game and the Jackbox game, aside from one being tabletop, one being a video game, is that the Jackbox game is done purely through like texting and being like secretive in a sense that like there's no role playing aspect. So like you don't have like if you're a vampire in the Jackbox game, you're not acting like a vampire. Like there's no reason to do that. But like in this in this uh, card game. There is, like, if you're playing the vampire and, you know, if you're the bachelor and you're like, all right, so I'm someone who likes to go out, you know, and, and be treated well and I like to, you know, get a nice meal. So if we go out for dinner, you know, uh, what's, like, a meal that you would like to eat? And then, like, as the, like, as a goofy vampire, I could be like, oh, well, I like to, you know, sink my teeth real deep into a nice uh, steak, <laughs> you know, or something. And it's like, what? And, like, there's well, not a lot of... Yeah, there's not a lot of like a southerner than like a vampire. <laughs> well, it's a goofy vampire is the idea. Okay. Yeah, because you get different personality traits, but like you could get like uh like a very nervous vampire. So like, and what I love about that is because it's a mix and match system. It's a mechanic I like to use in my games where, uh, you know, normally in a game you might just have like you know thirty different monsters and then you kind of recycle through those because of the personalities being added to it. And because you can get any monster with any personality, with any person, it basically ends up being a ton of combinations. So just with the personalities and monsters, it's like over a thousand combinations. And then each person will interpret the, their combination that they get out of the thousands of combinations uniquely to their own and will role play that and act it out differently. So it just makes it so the game always feels fresh and refreshing. Okay, that's actually inter uh, like a, an interesting take because I like board games that – or games that have that element that can change up from like i said before from being static yeah well anyone that knows me like when it comes to my personal tastes with board games and stuff like one of the biggest things for me is i have to have like variability and like replayability and a part of replayability for me is that i cannot play the same thing over and over and over again like i i i hate like, I love things to be simple, but I hate, like, if it's the same simple thing over and over and over again. So I, I definitely need some change-ups. No, yeah. Especially when you play the same game a lot, you need things to change. And the thing is, with my group, we like playing the same thing over and over. So a lot of times we pick board games such as uh, Murder on the House on the Hill, I think it was called. No, Betrayal on the House on the Hill. and Bet stuff Betrayal like at the Haunted House on the Hill. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. We like games in that style where the layout can change every time you play. Yes, it's the same house you're going into, but the layout changes. What might happen changes. Yeah, Who I had such what? a bad experience. Like, everyone has had such a great experience with that game, but my first experience was it took us, like, three and a half hours, and in the first, like, 20 minutes, uh, I went to the basement, and then the whole house changed. And the uh, the entrance to the basement got teleported, and I was stuck in the basement for like three and a half hours, not able to do anything essentially. I feel like we're gone to the Halloween territory outside of love now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go back. I just needed to bring that up on the aside, but uh, yeah. So so the last little cliff note on heads or tails is uh, for anyone listening, if you're in the North Carolina area uh, in March, there's a convention called Triad Anime Con. Uh, I will be there playing Heads or Tails on stage with voice actor Sean Chiplock, who voices Subaru in ReZero and voices Noob Saibot in Mortal Kombat 11 and voices a main character in Persona 5 and a bunch of other characters. 
so I'm very like honored to have this <laughs> this uh, this um, I don't know this opportunity to play and and to be upstage by a voice actor who will be much more talented at role-playing these characters than I. But uh, it'll be a ton of fun, and uh, you can be there check that out. And we'll also have it recorded and put it on the Vindicate Entertainment YouTube channel. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag vindicated. Hashtag vindicated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, though. So I just want to be sure that people know, because, I mean, the, the topic was here. Might as well bring it up. I, I understand if there's if the, whenever we have a chance to bring up your stuff I'm I'm pretty sure as long as we don't make the whole episode about it it's fine yeah I mean there's not many like I mean it's like a top you know like love themed board games like well it's like it makes sense to talk about it especially since there aren't many I mean I've I pulled up a list and even there like there aren't that many all right so do you have any more or have you covered have we covered all the ones that you've thought of I've actually have a, another one that I was looking at right now before an audio clip started playing and blasted my ears but yeah it's called <laughs> uh yeah it's called The Ravens of Tear Sashiri I'm going to send you the name of it on Discord cuz oh, I I, but, I butchered that <laughs> but basically it's a two player game that you're working you're using cards to rebuild the memory of a of a girl who uh who's become comatose or you know lost her memory and become comatose so you work together in order to restore her memory using using these cards and i'm i'm looking at the overview and well okay yeah so there's these cards that apparently okay so the game is 45 minutes so that's not that long for okay the uh and there's no naked people yeah, there's no naked people, but they the game uses terriot size cards, which is interesting. But I get yeah, yeah, te- uh, terror size cards. Pero, okay, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I keep saying I always say terriot. It's okay, it's all good. Just want to <laughs> clarify for those listening. I will say yeah. too for those listening, uh, this game to me looks visually the most interesting, and actually the theme, uh, I think I like the most too out of all the games that that you brought up. Um, and it has a cool like anime aesthetic, which I appreciate. Yeah, I I wasn't really looking for anime based games, but apparently there are some bad love ba- love based games using the anime theme because it's a very easy art style for people to do, like cheap anime art style, should I say? Yeah, I mean it still of course takes talent, but you know comparatively from that to you know something very realistic and stuff it can definitely there's definitely like a cheap anime style versus that that you know is different yeah apparently there are raven cards that can interfere with gameplay but the main goal is to work with another player to try and uh yeah your goal is to fly your ravens back and up down the upside board am i looking at the wrong game now Uh, i'm sorry is that this site that i'm looking at game information has it really mixed up with like two other games so i can't tell oh man i will say for those listening though uh this game has piqued my interest a lot and it might be one i go out and purchase because it seems like a great game like if you're stuck at home uh and maybe you just have a roommate or you know whoever uh maybe a family member and this seems like a really chill game that you can just play within an hour and especially if it's kind of rainy outside it just feels like a cool like story to dive into and a cool like experience to have Okay, now I see. 
So one player takes the role of the detective who has to communicate with Rand using her dreams, and they play a combination of cards to avoiding the ravens because each card represents memories, and ravens destroy these memories. And then the detective tries to pierce, you know, they try and connect the correct colors and numbers to match the face-down cards. If you have a set of face-down cards that represent her actual memories, and you're you're trying to piece it together and figure it out. And two players have to work together to do this. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, it seems really interesting to me. Whenever you said you had to connect colors, I uh, I immediately kind of have like a, a small red flag pop up because I'm colorblind. Um, and normally games do a good job where it's not a big issue, but there's a couple games that people love that definitely – are a struggle for people that have color blindness and uh but i i think with two players you know and you could have your teammate help you out if you like hey is this green <laughs> you know or whatever so um i th- i think you'll be fine most games are fine with it i haven't noticed any well i'm not colorblind so i can't really comment <laughs> too much on this but i don't know too many games that are that the color is such a focus that somebody colorblind could uh be affected by it so one of the biggest games I had, and I'm not going to go on the too big of a tangent here, but is uh, it's called Castle Panic, and they use a lot of reds and greens, and they kind of run into each other, and it's a cooperative game where someone can definitely like sort of coach and, and sort of uh, like try to dictate what every player does, and so it's like like I'm looking at my hand, I'm looking at the at the board in play, and I can't distinguish things quickly enough because the colors are blending into me. And then I have ah. someone being like, oh, well, just play this card, dude. Like, look at this card. Do this. Do this. And it was, like, very frustrating for me because I couldn't process, like, what I should do quickly enough because I couldn't, like, tell where certain things began, where certain things ended, or, like, what zone was red and which one was green. Yeah, I have an issue of that with my group because since we play a lot of co-op games, so players who played uh, the same game a lot start getting a really good understanding and when we get new people to the group sometimes to join in for a game or two, or even just friends who uh, never played a certain game, uh, it becomes a big issue with some people trying to be leader and like, oh, you should do that, where it's gone to the point where I have to be like, no, you know, based on the game, it will differ, but it's like, hey, uh, it's their turn. Let them make the choice because it does get upsetting if somebody makes a mistake and the whole group loses yeah which i mean that could be a whole subject in itself that we can dive into later yes probably (laughs) other and other stuff like it all right so how many more games do you have (laughs) well i'm not gonna go into any more but i can name them at least i can name them at least because uh, there's one called and then we held hands Okay. Which is a two-player game about finding... No, yeah, it's a co-op game where two players have to uh, complete objectives to reach the center of the board, and it's about finding balance. Okay, Uh, that doesn't sound too bad. There's another one called Fog of Love, which apparently says it's supposed to... They try and be like a romantic comedy roller coaster type game. It does not tell me what it uses. I only see the box art. So I'm going to assume cards like normal. And then The Pursuit of Happiness is the last one. I don't know if it's based off the movie or not. But apparently you take a character from birth. And you try and live the life you always wanted. You basically have to spend time to focus on how much you're going to 
how much you're going to work, how you're going to spend your time, or how you're going to avoid stress. Very interesting. And, yeah. All right. So, Ludwin, are you ready for my last game? I have one more. One <laughs> more game to bring up. Please don't tell me it's Uno. <laughs> oh, it's certainly not Uno. But, uh... uh. But you know me, if I have a chance to bring up a game I've made, <laughs> then then why not bring it up? So, okay, so real talk, though, I have a new a new game. Okay, I have a new board game, and I didn't mean to, like, overlayer this whole, like, love theme. I don't know why I have two games themed around this thing that no one else makes games around. But I do have a board game coming out called Heartseeker, and it is a it's basically an anime visual dating novel game turned board game. So... You are essentially playing cards uh, against other players. You're trying to play. You're trying to match the icons of your move cards to the icons on the characters in play. And if you're the one to fill up all the icons, then you manage to gain that character to your side of play. Uh, but someone else can try to do that before you do. There's crazy actions that will swap hands with players, or make you draw new cards, or change the way the game's played, stuff like that. And then there's also uh, favor cards that instantly win over a character in the game, but other players can get rid of their own favors to negate yours. So it's kind of like a take that uh, style game. Uh, it's just kind of meant to be like a funny, like fun, uh, very eccentric type game. It's actually all packaged in a manga designed uh, board game box. So uh, when you look at the board game itself, it looks like a manga and it's actually laid out like one too. And it looks like it has pages on the side and it just very much has like that anime style. Everything, all the characters are done in anime style and stuff like that. And they're all based in from the vindicated universe of all the different games I made. So it's just a fun little game that's not released yet, but uh, I've gotten a lot of compliments on it, and I figured I might as well talk about it since it's uh, almost Valentine's Day, and it would be the best time to bring it up. That actually sounds interesting. I might pick up a copy, to try it out because if it's like, because it sounds like a co, it sounds like a competitive game. But not competitive in the way that my group may not like it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very much like so. The game came about as an accident because I like to make games just based off of random things that are you know popular or trends or something, just as like a thought experiment exercise. And a lot of the people in um, the Vindicated Discord server really love this indie game called Helltaker, which is sort of like a like. Uh, like a romantic puzzle like bullet hell game it bounces between like puzzles like bullet hell stuff and uh, we played that on stream people loved it and so i made a fan-made card game of that and uh, i tried to reach out to the developer never heard anything back and honestly though we had so much fun playing this like this dinky card game <laughs> i threw together that was just a fan-made thing and we played it on stream and i was like okay we had so much fun like all my friends was like you have to make this into to an actual game and, uh, you know, whenever I hear feedback like that, and it just seemed and like I had a really good time with it. So I was like, okay. So uh, kind of going back with our, our theme earlier about rebranding things, I just reskinned it, rebranded it, sort of tweaked some things to make it fit more with uh, what's going on with Heartseeker as opposed to Helltaker. And uh, it just sort of became its own thing, and here we are. I'm kind of curious how many board games have come out because of stuff like that, where, you know, somebody plays one game, goes, this could be better. And then takes it and be like, all right, I'm going to do this with it. You know? Yeah, and now, like, since you've looked up all the different, or you tried to find all the different games themed around love, I'm now curious, will Heartseeker be the first game 
like that is based on a visual dating novel made into a board game because <laughs> that's kind of cool if it is here's the other issue that i've started learning about there's actually a lot of uh eastern board games that don't get much attention here in the west because we a lot of games we end up focusing on are western games mm-hmm. because in the because because a lot of the games from the east don't get translated into english or a way we can play them so there might be more especially since that's a popular topic in anime and manga which is popular in territories like that which wouldn't surprise me if there is more of and there's probably people who's listening to this right now who are probably aware of other games we didn't name that is true or maybe but i'll be shocked <laughs> i'll be shocked if they're like hey no i have a laundry list of love themed games that you guys completely miss as long as it's not scrabble valentine's edition <laughs> monopoly related uno you know the generic hasbro stuff but yeah no you brought up a, a great point that i think we could dive into on a future episode which is you know, not only is there not a lot of Eastern-themed games, but it's so much to the point that whenever I go to any board game-themed site, board games are split normally into two categories that I see. It's normally, uh, it's called Euro games, which are from Europe and are very sort of like dry in their theme. It's the ones that use a lot of meeples and very much like Settlers of Catan, where you have like resources and it's kind of like abstract designs and squares and stuff. And then you have Ameritrash, which is like, heavily themed like king of tokyo like you're a big monster here's this big box artwork and stuff like that but they don't even categorize any games from the east which is very interesting i never thought about so i think that'd be a cool topic to explore in the future yeah i probably would have to do more research on that because i own one game from you know that's been translated into english because i kickstarted it a while back never sat down to fully play it but it plays more like an adventure D &D style you can stop and play like all right we finished this campaign for today we can come back and play the next one you know whenever they have free time because you know how the east work culture is if you're aware of that <laughs> yeah. yeah all right cool well uh ludwin i think this episode turned out to be even better than i could have ever imagined especially with you surprising us all with the naked boxes and stuff uh <laughs> um but yeah so this is great hopefully people don't skip out on it so if you guys are still listening at this point be sure to uh give us a thumbs up a follow a comment a good rating whatever it is to wherever you're listening to us on uh we appreciate it and we'd love to know that you've gotten this far uh you guys are awesome and uh as always uh take care have a good day and uh stay tuned yeah. for next time because our next episode will be about solo games and duo games so that yeah. would be something anyone can enjoy Hopefully, and just thank you for coming in and listening. That is just know if there's any issues, if there's anything we missed, or anything we can do to improve these uh, podcast episodes. Because we're we're going at it. We're trying to improve. We're we're also just trying to have fun. Oh yeah, and fun we have indeed. Take care, guys, and stay awesome. <laughs>